it, ladies and gents. Headstrong. We got a guest today with a mission, and we're going to find out what that is here in a second. So welcome to the show. Here we go. Shut up and sit down. The Business Bros Podcast was created for you. Learn from the business professionals who come to share their stories. Find out what's working in business and social media, what's hot and what's not, straight from the mouths of successful entrepreneurs out there doing the real work. And now, welcome to another episode of Business Bros. Yeah. <laughs> hey, time to drop some heat. Hey, man, hearing that song reminded me that's the song that plays at the beginning of my skydiving video, so random random anyway all right all you business pros out there before we jump into the show just a quick reminder to please subscribe on whichever platform it is that you're listening to us on today give us a like give us a follow subscribe drop a review help other like-minded business owners find value from our awesome guests while we rise up in those podcast rankings we'll sincerely appreciate every single one of you for it and if you want to be a guest on the show we'd love to have you on to learn from you as well go to www.businessbros.biz to schedule your time slot don't forget to follow us us on all our social medias at business bros pod all right everybody we're so excited and honored to bring yet another incredible guest to the business bros pod our guest today is empowering young people to take control of their financial lives by teaching kids the power of money and by rewriting the rules of school funding He's on a mission to create the next generation of investors by putting $1,000 in the hands of 1 million schools and to see what happens when youth control a billion dollars. He's looking to motivate students to learn and practice the five C's of 21st century education, creativity, critical thinking, communication, collaboration, and civics, and jumpstart their journey to increasing financial literacy. Now, our guest is one of the world's leading experts on participatory budgeting, a democratic process in which students determine the budget to improve a school, and he's been applying this principle at scale, both in communities and in business. And I know this subject is close to our hearts. So without further ado, joining us today from First route out of Sunnyvale, California. Welcome to the show, Luke Homan. Woo! Okay, like in that? that in that intro, you know what you guys get from me, which is pretty rare. You get not a mic drop. But a sharpie drop. <laughs> Boom. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Sharpie drop. <laughs> well, Nailed it. Luke, hey man, first of all, you know, thank you for what you're doing. Uh, it, just the education platform. I'm gonna share a little story with you and uh, kind of dive into what you're doing. I think it's it's wonderful. I learned this a while ago, and I, I think it was uh, a Dave Ramsey thing. I'm not 100% sure, but um, what I do with my kids is every year they get $600 to throw themselves a birthday party, and they have to go out and budget whatever it is they're gonna do. They can blow the whole 600, or they can minimize or find sponsors or whatever they need to to do their to to have their party. Rules are they have to have a party, they have to have food, they have to have family and friends over, right? So they have to have these certain things. But anything that's left over, they get to keep. And and my my thought was it, it places a value of money and a responsibility on the kid, right? On my on my kid, and they also get to get an idea of what things actually cost. Like, you know, wh what is it that, why, why does this cake cost so much? Why do I have to have these decorations? Why do I have to do these different things? 
but I, I feel like it's empowering the students and you're doing a lot of that in, in a normal day to day. What do you, what do you think of what I'm doing and, and how does it relate to what you're up to? Well, first, what you're doing is brilliant. And I'm not saying that because I'm a guest on the show. I'm saying because it is actually brilliant. If you want kids to learn how to manage money, you have to somehow give them money to manage and have a conversation. And of course, you do exactly what you did, right? You don't walk up to your children and say, hey, here's some money. Good luck. You give them some guidelines. You give them some requirements because it comes with a box. And then you say, look, this is your box. You have to fill it up with family. You have to fill it up with food. You've got the leftover money. So they've got this tension that we all feel, right? I have all these great ideas, right? I got these many ideas, but I can only afford this much. How do I choose? I think it's brilliant. And the, the challenge though is not every family in the world can have that kind of an outcome and that kind of, you know, cash. Now, you know, some families might say, oh, $600, that's a lot. I'll give them a hundred. Some might say, oh, $600, you know, I live in Beverly Hills. I can give them 5,000. It doesn't (laughs) matter as much of the amount as it does the concept of giving them some control. And what we're doing is we're adding one thing. We're We're doing it in a school, same concept, except now they have to talk with other kids. And what I think is really important is that when you're, and you're a businessman, right? So you know that there's a difference between a spending decision and an investment decision. Mm -hmm. And with a spending decision, you kind of think about your opinion. But like, you know, my wife, here's a story I like to use. My wife and I are both runners. And so if I go out and buy a new pair of running shoes, she doesn't really care, right? It's a relatively inexpensive purchase. And it's frequent because we always are runners. It's kind of our thing. And I do care about opinions, but it's a technical opinion. So I'm not really going to ask my wife about a running shoe. I'm going to ask the person at the running shoe store, right? Because I do trail running here in California. But if I were to get a new car, right, you know the commercials? Imagine I come home in the new car with a bow on it and I say, hey, honey, I got a new car. How do you think that would go? Oh, man, it is. (laughs) You better have a nice little horn there. And then I'm home. Cause she is gonna yell at you. You had zero input. You didn't tell me. You didn't tell me what color. You didn't tell me what brand. You didn't tell me like the bow and the commercial only works on the commercial. It doesn't work in real life. That's right. Because it- that would be me. <laughs> because every investment decision you make is actually a conversation with other people. You wouldn't buy stock in a startup. Or you wouldn't buy stock in an IPO without talking to your investment advisor. You wouldn't buy stock or you wouldn't buy a new vacation home if you didn't talk to your family and get their opinion. Now, I'm not saying you're going to get the opinion of your baby like a two-year-old. But if you're giving your kids $600, they've got to be old enough to have that ability to have those conversations. And that's what we do in schools because we want kids to learn two things. One, we want them to learn financial literacy, and that's a life skill. So you need to know facts, like what's an interest rate or what's a stock in a company? It's a share of the company. You need to have skill. You have the ability to compare investments, but you also need something that most people leave out. You need disposition. Do you wanna make an investment aligned to your values? Like if you care about health or the environment or animals, right? What kind of investment do you want to make? And what's your tolerance for risk? 
right? You might be more risky, you might be less risky about your investments, but that's what life skills need, right? They need to know knowledge, they have to have ability, and they need disposition. And we teach that through participatory budgeting. We teach the kids, like, look, here's the fact. This is how much your idea is going to cost. Now, let's talk about who it impacts. And that ropes in civics. Because civics, like financial literacy, democracy itself, it needs three things. Facts. What's the structure of our government? What's a vote? Skills. How do I compare the proposals of different candidates, dispositions. Am I more conservative? Am I more libertarian? Am I more liberal? I'm not saying any one of those is right or wrong. I'm saying what's right is having a conversation with other people about what matters. And now we get to elevate it. Not what do I want, but what's good for the school. And maybe mm, we're buying yes. a, you know, something. I, I, you know, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pause you right there. So, um, yeah. I teach a, a, a course in high school. I teach part time as, as a high school teacher, and I teach a course called Financial Algebra. Uh, and nice. sadly, it's a course that when the kids don't do well in math, I'm that last math option for them to get a credit for graduation. So, not everybody takes the course, and I keep harping how much everybody needs to do this, right? This is the, every parent, when I sit down and I have, you know, uh, back to school night at the beginning of the year, with the exception of COVID year, but uh, normally I'll have parents that are like, I, I wish somebody would have taught me this in high school, you know? And I talk to people outside of school all the time, adults, and when I tell them what I do, they're like, dude, it took me 20 years to figure it out. And by the time I figured it out, I was in a hole. I had to get myself out of debt. I, you know, a lot of these things we learn through experience because nobody taught us, right? And, and oftentimes most parents, like, you know, they would love to teach their kids something about finances and money, but they don't know themselves. They're trying to figure it out and just get by. What you're doing is really opening the door to questions, right? Questions and curiosity are the things that are going to, uh, you know, for me, like the, 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 the problem with school right now is it destroyed the kids wanting to learn from, oh, from about sixth grade to through the rest of high school. Most of the population hates going because they don't want to learn. But what happens, and, and I've seen this and, and I'm sure you've experienced somewhere around 25 or so, we realize, wait, learning is actually fun. Like yeah. I actually want to know that thing. And then we spend all kinds of time going back and trying to educate ourselves on things. But there's that gap, that time frame where we miss out on these opportunities to prepare students for actual life skills. Oh, it's, it's amazing. You know, they have a name for that, by the way. It's, it's a true name in the learning community. They call it drill and kill. I'm going to drill facts into the student's head so they can pass a test. And I'm going to kill all motivation for learning. I know. And I see like it. That, but yes, that's yeah. true. <laughs> it's drill and kill. And you, and you know, in high school, you know that, but what's amazing is you also know, and you pointed out how we behave individually, but you know, when we are interested in something, when we want to learn something, we'll, we'll dig into it as adults. You know, I always tell my kids and I tell my employees, Right. Leaders are readers. Mm. Leaders are readers. What are you reading? I read magazines. I read books. I always have a book going. And because you got, you want to keep growing. You want to keep growing, but that high school kills it. What's really amazing about what we do is the kids 
are in control. All the teacher does is support the kids. But if they say, you know, if we give them, say, $2,000 for their budget and they say, well, we should get some chemistry equipment. All the teacher has to say is great. That sounds like a good idea. What chemistry equipment do you need? How much is it going to cost? And the kids are used to being fed everything. They're like, well, aren't you going to tell me? No, it's your idea. It's your proposal. You got to figure it out. And then bam, they learn everything about it. They learn about the different kinds of equipment. They learn how much it costs. They learn what fits in their school. They learn the requirements and they get to vote. So it covers everything that's needed. And, and I'm going to take a step back and, and I want the listeners to know that we're not just talking about walking up to someone and giving them money, right? You didn't walk up to your child and say, hey, here's $600. You gave them some structure mm-hmm. and you, help, you helped them, you talked to them about it. So let's talk about participatory budgeting in a school because it's got a structure. Phase one is the planning phase. The students get to choose a theme and they get to choose who's going to be involved. Some schools, for example, will have parents involved, some won't. Some will have teachers involved, some won't. That's okay. Phase two is the ideation. They think of ideas. Phase three is they refine those ideas. Some ideas are not even things you buy. They're policy changes. Like we need to change the time of lunch or something like that. Once those policy ideas are are removed, we shape the proposals into things that the kids can vote on based on their budget. And we've seen schools have budgets ranging from 2000 to even as much as $50,000 in the hands of kids. Then the kids vote. And the fun part is they actually get to see their ideas implemented. And what's really cool about that is not every idea works. And, you know, not every purchase I make and not every decision I make financially works out exactly as I intended. But as a parent, I for sure would rather have my kid fail on a few thousand dollars in a school than fail on their own by getting like a bad credit card and not knowing how to manage a credit card and getting into debt when they graduate from high school. I, you know, the, the ability for them to fail, that that is amazing. I, you know, the, the problem with school right now, a lot of it has to do with the grading structure, right? And and I, I look at this from an entrepreneur perspective. Um, I, I'm taking a, a, a training course in advertising and my mentor was explaining um, this course and the, and the grading in it. And a lot of it is just pass fail. And, and the reason why he said that is because, you know, in business, there is no partial revenue that you get you either close the sale or you don't close the sale right there's nothing like oh you know what that was a great pitch so i'm gonna put some venmo money in your account for trying thank you very much like it doesn't work that way right and so so when when you're dealing with situations like this i love the fact that you've you've tried you've thought about it you've you've planned it you put it and you into action and then all of a sudden it doesn't work right that is the reality of the way things work, especially if you become an entrepreneur and if you work for other companies and you propose things, there's going to be times where on paper, theoretically, it looks like the grandest idea. Implementation, whole other ball game. That's right. And and we don't, you, you know, you talked about the pass fail thing in school and the tests. And, you know, I understand this is, you know, and I know you and I both feel the same way about this, right? We're not criticizing teachers. We know that they got a complex job. And they're in a complex environment. But what, but what I hate is that the system is motivating teachers to teach to the exam. And you've seen teachers do that, right? I got to teach this material because it's the national standardized test. Mm-hmm. And I got to get my kids to pass it. 
And and a lot of teachers that we talk through, they their minds are blown. You know, we we started a project at Hugel Elementary School this week, fifth grade. And that project went from a phone call to up and running in four days, even this year before the end of the school year, because they are so excited about the idea that they can get the kids engaged. And the kids are going crazy. Like, and it's just $500, right? It's $500 for each of the three fifth grade classes. So each class gets 500 bucks. Those kids are so excited about what they can do with their classroom, working together with real money. And it's got to be real. That's the one requirement that we put on schools. Otherwise, we don't work with them. It's got to be real money. If it's not real money, don't do it. Because the kids smoke out fake. Kids, yeah. kids are great at smoking out fake. No, I, I I love that the 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 real aspect of it, and and the thing is is you give them control, you give them power, you empower the students, and that that is a huge added benefit. That's where you really get the buy-in. That's where the kids they they actually care about the result, and they track it, and they I mean, look, facts, drill and kill, they all live right here on our phone. Yeah, like, there's they, no we can need for us to fact. Yeah, 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 but to get a kid to buy in and do his own research and go, you know, behind the scenes and 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 pick up a book and learn more to try to get the result that they want, that is the education that we're looking for. That is the learning that we want. So when 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 schools apply, how does how does a school apply to become part of the project? Well, they they can literally go to our website and sign up. Uh, classrooms are twenty five bucks for a single teacher who wants to do it in their classroom. And if schools want to do it, it's 10 bucks a kid, but they get an integrated curriculum for both financial literacy and civics. So some schools come to us and they say, look, we really want to emphasize the financial literacy and the math. Okay. Some schools say, well, we really like the civics. We really like the idea of teaching how democracy works, the voting, the collaboration. And we're like, okay, we've got curriculum for both of those. And it's part of the program, but I want to throw some numbers at you just to see if you can get excited about where we're headed as a company. Are you ready? Go for it. Go for it. Okay. Let's say we give the school $10,000, which is not a lot of money in the average size school. It's, you know, the average size school is about 500 kids, right? So between the principal's discretionary fund and the PTA, let's say that we could get $10,000. Okay. You with me? Yeah. All right. So we go to one school. They could do something useful for $10,000. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. All right. So I've got 3,200 high schools in California alone. Huh? All that's, participating like that at that rate? Well, now if I get there, that's 30 million bucks, right? Yeah. Okay. Now there's, if I extend it to K through 12, there's about a hundred thousand schools in America. What would happen if our kids had a hundred billion dollars in their hands? Well, you know what? The truth is from the mouth of babes, I have no idea. We could see some great innovation, some great ideas. Uh, we can see some stuff flop, but I mean, just the opportunity. What if, what if they just wanted to award it to the kid that, you know, the, the next Elon Musk to kind of send him in a, in a direction that they want to go in? What if they want to open the door to like dual immersion, or maybe they want to bring kids in from other countries to learn about, you know, their own cultures. Like there's so many different avenues and places that you can take it. My wife's a drama teacher. You know, what if we, you know, fixed up the drama room and all of a sudden we had lights where kids can perform and create, uh, you know, awesome and amazing content. Like, 
the the possibilities are endless. They, they really are. What's really exciting is we've done some analysis on what kids actually purchase and what they fund. They fund infrastructure. Like mm. adults are like, oh, I'm not sure about this. The kids are going to waste the money. There's like literally zero evidence that the kids waste the money. They don't throw parties. They don't like go get pizza and Coke. They are doing things like getting band equipment for the music room. They're getting, they're renovating libraries and cafeterias. They're changing water fountains to water bottle refilling stations. They're buying 3D printers. They're preparing for their future if you give them a chance. Because mm. you know what? Their kids aren't stupid. They know that they want good equipment in their school. They want to learn. And it doesn't have to be like everyone goes to college because not everyone does or should Absolutely. go to college, right? But we, it's, I'm so excited. I get so excited about this because when you look at the numbers and what kids could do, it is from the mouth of babes. It's pretty mind blowing. Well, you know, my mind's going crazy right now when I'm, I'm thinking about this because, I mean, you're talking about allocating $10,000 from PTSA or from from discretionary funds. But what you don't even talk about, which is which is another aspect, is once you organize these kids and they have a goal in mind, the ability for them to raise additional funds yes. to, to continue that project or to take that project to the next level. Now, all of a sudden, you know, they have a vision and a goal in mind. That is unstoppable. You can't stop a human being from attaining a goal that they want and they're seeking in front of them. They're going to find a way to make it happen. What's your experience been with these kids once once they organize like that, raising their own additional money? Well, they, they do that. They, they, uh, we did a project with Purdue Polytechnic High School in Indianapolis. It's a charter school and it's a really cool, dynamic charter school. And that's what they did. They started with a GoFundMe and they said, let's get some money together and let's go do interesting things with it. And of course, you and I both know that an important criteria of school health is parental involvement. That mm. doesn't mean that the parents have to show up, but it does mean that the parents can help. And what we found is that kids are really good at taking something that might be costly. Like one school, they really wanted to improve school spirit. So they got paint cheap and they had parents help them paint murals in the cafeteria and on the outside school walls because they wanted to improve their school spirit. And they had some graffiti and gang issue stuff. And so they wanted to get rid of it. So they got rid of it. They improved their school spirit but they got the community involved. So they were able to take something that if you hired outside people to do it, it'd be a lot of money. And it's exactly what you said. Hey, what's your goal? Okay, how do you lower that price? Ah, oh, a little bit of elbow grease, man, right? Show up on a Saturday and help out. Okay, and people will do it if you give them the chance. Mm -hmm. That is such um, an amazing opportunity that you're providing to people. Why? Why did you get started? How long ago did you like this come to, you know, people have ideas all the time. Uh, and, you know, my Instagram story this morning was, was again, a mentor. I heard a mentor say it and I, I take it all the time. There's no such thing as a million dollar idea, only million dollar execution. You had an idea and now you brought it to life. Why? What, what was going on that you brought it to life? Well, it's a, it's, it's a kind of a fun story and it, and it speaks to business and continuity. Uh, over a decade ago, uh, 10 years ago, I had a different company and it was called Contenio. And I was working in business. And what I had noticed was how awful the annual budgeting process is in large companies, right? During the year, 
They tell people you should collaborate and work together. And then in the annual budgeting process, everyone fights over the budget. And I had experienced that. And, and I also just knew it was awful. So I started to do this technique in business for annual budgets. And so I built a software company, Silicon Valley software company. Uh, and I want to point out to everyone listening, just because I live in Silicon Valley doesn't mean I'm VC funded and I got free lunch and <laughs> foosball. I built that company without any VC funding because they thought I was crazy. And I was like, look, you know, you don't understand my idea and that's fine. I'm not crazy. This idea works. You're only crazy till you're right. That's right. Yeah. And of course, you know, now I want to invest. Right? <laughs> but anyway, so we built a software platform that helped global organizations do participatory budgeting to improve their annual budgets. We had companies like Daimler and BMW and Salesforce and Cisco and eBay doing these techniques. And out of the blue, I kid you not, I, I'm flying to Dallas, Fort Worth, and sitting next to me is the head of economic development for the city of San Jose, Kim Willesh, in 2010. And we're sitting there, and she's telling me about all the problems they have with prioritizing the city budget. And out of the blue, I just said, Kim, I do that for businesses. I'll do it for the city and I'll do it for free because I think that we should all do something in our talents to contribute to society. And she's like, what? <laughs> what? And what? I said, and we did. So we started to assemble citizens in uh, groups to do in-person and online participatory budgeting as if it were the city budget. Now it wasn't the real budget, but it was getting data to the city leaders and they were able to adjust the budgets better aligned with the citizens' needs. So then I'm sitting at home, I got four kids and I as a dinner several years ago and I said, hey guys, I got an idea. And of course, you know how it goes when you're oh, together. No. Like, oh, oh, dad's got no. an idea, you gotta roll your eyes. <laughs> I said, hey, let's do what we do in business and what I do with the cities. And let's take it to the middle school where my son uh, was at. I had two sons at the middle school. I said, you know, one in sixth grade, one in eighth grade. Let's give the school 500 bucks and see what the kids do with the money. And they're like, oh, it's crazy. You know, and, and I'm like, no, let's try it. So we tried it. It was great. And I tried it again. And I was like, whoa. And I just fell in love with this idea because I saw what happened in my own two eyes when I took something that was working in business, working in government and brought it into schools. So then I sold that company in 2019 and I completed my integration tasks. So it was a good transition. And I started First Root last year. So I know it's, it's kind of self-promoting to say I'm a worldwide expert in participatory budgeting, but I kind of am. I've been doing it for more than a decade. I've done it in Sydney, Australia, Singapore, Tel Aviv, Bogota, Colombia, London, Sweden, Stockholm, Paris, Poznan, Poland, Warsaw, Poland, Missoula, Montana, New York City, I mean, Toronto, Canada. We know this works because it's a human thing. It's not a language thing. It's not a country thing. It's a human thing. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And, you know, one of the things I was going to say was, uh, I don't know about you, Luke, but I feel like mentally I stopped aging somewhere around 20, 25 years old. Uh, and I, you know, I, I, I've heard this before and I, and I, I, I like the way it is. I mean, adults are just grown up children. I mean, there's nothing really different between the, what the kids are thinking and how they're trying to get their point across or, or how they're trying to uh, validate whatever their idea is 
adults do the same thing. I mean, of you, course, you're, you're around adults. If you ever go to a faculty meeting and you go to an assembly, there's not much difference when you're getting groups of people together. They act very much the same way. And I feel like what you've what you've allowed them to do is really take something that could be really heated and really, you know, like this is mine, this is mine type situation and opened up a pathway for discussion so that we can realize that, yeah, I know that's what you need. This is what I need. Now let's kind of merge it together and let's, let's create something, you know, that's aligned with the, whatever, if it's your own vision as a, as a group or as a company with your core values. Um, That process that you put together, did you have to modify it dramatically for the kids or it's pretty much. You do have to modify it a little bit. I mean, you know, for one thing, you know, in business jobs can be on the line and it can get pretty tense and pretty emotional. And part of the reason you're having those conversations is you're adjusting scope. So people Mm -hmm. come into the program and business and they're adjusting scope and they're changing budgets and, you know, they're doing certain things um, that you would give to the kids. For the kids, you really want them to have a proposal that is understandable and not too complex. I'll give you an example. In business, and you're a marketing expert, right? So you know that when someone says, hey, I want to do an ad campaign, well, there's some negotiation of scope, right? There's a, like, okay, how much budget do you have and what are your goals? And then y- there's always that kind of jiggering Maybe to room. get, right? Th- you got to jigger those. Like, okay, I know you want to do that. You don't have the budget. What about this? Okay. But in, in, in a school, you, you can't really afford that jiggering because it gets really tiring for the kids and they don't see a result. You really want to get them to a seeing a result that's positive. So I'll give you a concrete example. One school that we were working with said, you know, we really want to get some gym equipment. And I told the kids, look, that's not a specific enough proposal. You've got to actually specifically enumerate the exact gym equipment you want. And then they said, well, we want to get basketball nets for the outside hoops. We want metal basketball nets because the cloth will never last. I'm like, okay, again, that's not specific enough. How many exact basketball nets do you need? And how much is each priced? And then what's the total cost? And they're like, oh, well, we need six metal basketball uh, hoops and they cost 30 bucks a piece. So with tax, it's $210. Okay, now that's a proposal. And the kids say yes or no. Now in business, you might say, well, we'll go with four nets. But in in when you negotiate, but in school, that negotiation doesn't work quite as well because they don't have as much time. And, right. and you gotta make it fit the other classes, you gotta make it fit the environment of the school. So those are some of the uh, slight adjustments that we make to make to help the kids really grasp what's going on. I like that though. I mean, it's like anything else. Uh, when when I talk to people about getting out of debt, you know, I mean, mathematically, you want to knock out the card or the loan with the largest interest rate because that's how you're going to make more bang for your buck. But in reality, we tackle the smallest debt first, so you can chalk something off the list, so you feel what it feels like to win, to succeed, to accomplish something. You know, I, I, I want I want to make sure, Luke, that, you, that uh, the audience knows. I mean, we kind of mentioned it in the middle of the show, but again. You know, how can people be contributing members to what you're doing, whether it's, you know, you work at a school, whether it's you want to be part of a mentorship program, how can they get involved with what you're doing? Yeah, I love that you said that you work at a school, right? We have a big dream, but we're not going to get every school in one month, right? I mean, we can't. I mean, it's just that's an impossible idea, but it's a it's not an impossible dream, right? So the question becomes, how do you get there? And you get there with one classroom 
one school at a time. So for every listener, if you want to help out, you just need to do one thing. Bring first root to your teacher or your school. And don't worry about all the other schools. Don't worry about the schools in your district or whatever. Just start with your school and find a few parents to contribute a little bit of money. And it's almost like you, you want to get enough money that the kids think it's meaningful, but not so much money that other parents will be nervous. So if we walked up to the kids and said, hey, kid, you got 10 bucks, they'd be like, really? If you walked up to the kids and say, hey, kids, you got $2 million, then the parents would be like, oh, my gosh, I got to take over. So it's really <laughs> yeah. not a lot of money if you get a few parents involved. And then go to our website, log on, create your account, and we will guide you through it. The app is nearly bulletproof. Uh, we've been in pilots and beta testing since October of last year. Uh, and you know it's important, right? Even in the middle of COVID, when schools are shut down, they're still bringing us in and talking about it because they know it's a big problem. It's, it's a it's a huge problem, like especially you know we're living in a society where there's a lot of people who have grown up going to college, getting degrees and things that they never even used, you know, after graduation, but they're still saddled with all this debt. And and you know that generation. That, that Generation X, that Generation uh, whatever, the Millennial Generation, they have so much college debt and so much like step back from what college is that they're showing their youngsters, I know I am, showing their youngsters about money management. And, and I think this Generation Z is one of those generations that is really aware of budgets that exist, really aware of what kind of money comes in. So the natural next progression step is to give them a little control to, to see what they've actually learned and how they can implement that. And, and I, you know, I applaud you in first route for what you guys are doing, because that really is the, the next step in that evolutionary process. How, this generation Z, this, this generation that's in the classroom right now, and by the way, the oldest ones are about 25 now, but they're the ones who are they're shaping the way we do business. This is the generation that lives on Amazon that that watch, doesn't watch TV. They watch YouTube and Netflix. They're the ones that it's a whole reason why we can do a podcast like this. This is this is the generation that is taking us into the Bitcoin era. Like there's so many different things that are happening within this generation that it it would be an injustice to them to not be able to give them the control and the ability to learn what you're teaching them. So thank you very much for for what you do. Well, and right back at you. Thank you so much for allowing me to be a guest and to share this on your show. You got a big reach. You got a big network. I love the energy. And it's a big thank you to just let me be here and share this. Again, Luke, thank you, man, for coming on. Ladies and gents, that's it. Look, I know you want your kids to go back to school. And I know COVID is like just on the cusp. It's almost over. Next semester's coming right around the corner. So Look, if you're sitting around soccer, maybe little leagues, and you have other parents, friends, and family around, just talk about it. Like, bring it up. Hey, wouldn't it be cool if the school did? That's the beginning of the conversation. That's all you really need. And then rally the troops a little bit and get in, get in contact. Just go to firstroot.co and get that thing started. You don't know what kind of changes you're going to make. Sometimes it takes more than a parent. Sometimes it takes more than administration. What it really takes is the ones who are sitting their butts in the chair every single day that want something to change to make that change happen. So I leave it up to you guys. Ladies and gents, thank you very much for checking us out today. Luke, again, thank you very much for coming on the show. We'll see you guys all manana. Peace. And we're out. Thank you for listening to the Business Bros Podcast. Are you looking to get more clients or to increase your income? 
Hernan, the business bro, can help you generate referrals through the power of podcasting. And James, the insurance bro with Pipeline Insurance, can help you effectively add insurance to your existing business. If you are ready to create wealth today and generational wealth for tomorrow, email businessbros at csfirst.com to schedule a free consultation or join the Business Bros Network, www.businessbros.biz.